Hey guys, and welcome to the Breathe Out Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Smurl. Our mission is to serve our clients, coworkers, and community. Our goal is to inspire you by sharing all the things we've learned and keep on learning about leadership, culture, safety, and wellness. We hope our message today brings impact and value to our listeners. So let's get started. Um, Heather kind of posed this question, would you want to come and, and have conversation with our team around gratitude? And I love the topic of gratitude because I do think it's one of the greatest underutilized resources um, that we all have. And so just a little bit about me. Um, I am not from Texas. We moved here seven months ago, seven months ago to Texas. Never lived in Texas, um, but I'm a Texan. You know what I'm saying? I just feel it. I feel it in my bones. Um, and Zoe, this is my wife, Zoe, and yeah, we moved here from North Carolina. I am a pastor um, at High Point Church. Um, so her, her parents started the church about four years ago, and, and I was a pastor of part of another church in North Carolina, um, a, a little bit larger of a church, and I oversaw one of their locations. They had 20 locations up and down the East Coast, and I oversaw one of those locations, and, and so had a, had a fairly large team, and and got to talk about our values often. Um, so these were, these were familiar spaces, which I know um, are familiar spaces for you all as well, where we really get to dive into our values because our values guide us, they drive us, and they really direct us um, as we take steps forward in, in whatever it is that we do. Um, so I'm excited to, to talk around the power of gratitude. Look at your neighbor and say there's power. Ingratitude. Ingratitude. So... There's going to, be, going to be kind of three different parts to this discussion today um, because I believe that, that in order to really understand something, we need to understand what it's not as well. Um, so we're going to clearly define gratitude this morning and define also what is, what is the opposite of gratitude. It's not just being ungrateful, but, there, but there's something specific to um, the opposite of gratitude as well. Then we're going to talk about the science behind gratitude because it is mindful, uh, mindfulness may, is that what we're calling it? Mindfulness may, Men mental uh, uh, awareness month. And gratitude plays so much on our mind that it actually changes and shifts the circuitry in our mind um, to, 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 go from, to go from a default of maybe lack to really a default of abundance. So there's, there's uh, the wiring in our mind. It's very fascinating. And then we're gonna talk about um, how to practice gratitude consistently and the key word is effectively, because there are ineffective practices uh, of gratitude that actually don't shift uh, the circuitry in our mind. But there are effective practices um, that do shift um, some of the, we, the, the wiring that we have. So um, getting into how to properly define gratitude, just some quick thoughts on gratitude. First off, gra gratitude um, is not fluffy or weak. Now, I, even in presenting this thought, um, I, I, I know that maybe it can be like, oh, like this is just, this is just a talk around gratitude. It's like, oh, be grateful. Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Um, but it's really, really understanding that there is so much power in, in living a grateful life of choosing gratitude. Your core value is choose joy. Gratitude is not a feeling that we feel. It's really a choice that we proactively make. And so even for gratitude to become a habit, habit, the definition of habit is to do something without realizing that you're doing it. 
Well, I don't know if gratitude, choosing gratitude can ever really become a habit because it's something that we consciously have to choose rather than something that just happens to us. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, do you just wake up feeling grateful? Kobe, all the time? Nikki? Was it, was it Nikki? Is Nikki? Okay, Nikki wakes up feeling grateful all the time. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki, you should, can you, can you lead us then? Because I do not. I do not wake up feeling great, grateful all the time. But gratitude really is something that, that we don't feel so much. We can feel happy. Like happiness is an emotion that we can feel. But gratitude is so much more of a choice that we make. So in gratitude, it's not a personality trait. Um, it is a perspective. It's a muscle to be worked. And gratitude really determines our response to all of life's circumstances and situations. So I, I respond out of anger or out of, out of you know, quickness. Well, that's, that's a response in, in how shallow or how deep my gratitude is. Nervousness, confidence, um, happiness, all of these different things that we respond to life circumstances and situations always stem really from a place of gratitude. So gratitude is seen, it's felt, it's heard, and there is a texture and a sound to gratitude um, that, that truly, that truly that you're able to feel. So I want to get into a little bit of my story um, around gratitude because I've had, a, I've had a complicated relationship uh, with being grateful for my life. So I lived in New York City uh, for about four years, uh, from 2012 to like 2016-ish. And, and then I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you're probably thinking, why on earth would you move to Tulsa, Oklahoma? Uh, I thought the same thing as well. Um, I, one of my friends, he, he was actually starting a new church. I, I, um, I didn't really care so much about being a part of a church for a very long time. Um, and then one of my friends asked me, it was like, hey, would you want to kind of lead and help, help, help kind of pioneer a new church with me? And he was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I said, okay, um, I can do that. I will, I will, I've never started really um, a church from the ground up. So I'm, I'm interested about that process. It sounds fun. Um, it sounds hard, but, but I'll, I'll come, I'll come join you. So I moved from New York City to Tulsa. And um, he set very clear expectations up front. He said, this is not a paid position. Um, we're a brand new church. Like, don't expect to get paid. Um, don't expect for a position uh, the moment that we launch. Like, I just need, I just need kind of a right-hand guy that's going to come, support me, lift my arms, and help steer um, some of the different uh, pieces that we're doing forward. So I said, okay. So I moved uh, with all of these expectations that were set. But what I saw, I was incredibly grateful for an opportunity to be a part of something new. I saw that, man, like this is, this is exciting. There's energy to this and this is fun. Although it's really hard, this is fun. But what I saw is, is the thing that I once was really, really grateful for because it was new, because it was exciting, because it was fresh. I saw that, well, this starts to become normal. This starts to become normal. We start to do same events. We start to have the meetings, you know, very, very regularly. Everything, everything really becomes normalized. And so in my normalcy, I then started to drift towards, well, I, I can easily and quickly kind of become complacent. 
because the thing I was grateful for was fresh, it was exciting, it was new, and then it became normal, and then in that normalcy became complacent. And I was kind of passive in meetings, kind of passive in my approach to contributing ideas. I was kind of passive in really like heavily investing and involving myself. There were, there were things that easily became distractions that I was like, ah, I'm gonna do this, versus like really applying like my full focus here. And, and then I started to complain about different things. And so in that complaining, I started to complain to two other people about kind of the thing that I was a part of. So once again, we see I was grateful for initially, then it became normal, and then I became complacent, and then I started to complain, and then I found in my complaining that it was quick, I was very, very quick to then become entitled to something, therefore deserving of something, and in my entitlement, it was easily, I was much more easily able to get offended. And I believe that, that that's kind of the, the culture of society right now, right? It's kind of more an offended, entitled a little bit, so it's really, it's really understanding, well, offense is something that only, only I can take. My wife cannot give me an offense. I can only take an offense. Offense speaks more about me than it speaks about the person that's maybe offending me. Offense, offense starts with me. And so I call that the gratitude timeline a little bit, or the gratitude ladder is, is looking at, well, the thing I once was really, really grateful for the thing that was new, the thing that was exciting, the thing that was fresh, then becomes normalized. And then in the normalcy of life, in the routineness of life, in the mund mundaneness, is that a word? Mundaneness? Mundanity? I don't know. And in, in the, the routineness of life, then I become complacent. Then in that complacency of with where I'm at, what I'm doing, I can quickly complain. And then I can quickly become entitled and then I can leave offended. And so I think that's kind of the, uh, a timeline that we work from. So speaking to the opposite of what gratitude is, it's not so much being ungrateful. I, tru I truly believe that it's being offended and being entitled and deserving something whenever I was really grateful for it in one season. So we're gonna talk about how, how do we gain back our gratitude? How do we come back into relationship with being grateful? How can we be people that, that live with, with, a, with an expectancy, with an anticipation, with an excitement around this idea of gratitude versus how do I be, how do I treat what I'm in? I mean, we, we see it in relationships. My wife and I, we got married three years ago and there have been seasons, there have been times where I don't, unlike Nikki, I don't wake up just feeling grateful today. I, I'm, I'm going to pick on you since you said it, Nikki. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, but I don't like it's, we got married three years ago. It, it, it can be easy to treat her as normal and for her to treat me as normal it can be easy to, to become complacent where we just kind of exist. We have a one, we have a, not one year old. Wow. He's 10 months old. I'm getting ahead of myself here. All right. We have, we have a 10 month old and that's kind of the driving force for why we moved back to Texas. Um, is so that he can be around family, her family's here. And, and so we have a 10 month old, but it can be easy to, to just kind of treat him as common and as familiar and become complacent in our relationship. Therefore then resulting in complaining because I'm treating it passively 
and then I can feel entitled and deserving of something, and then it can be easily, I can be easily offended. So how do we gain back our gratitude? How do we live from a place of gratitude? And how do we, um, how do we constantly seek it out? So say the depth of my gratitude is, de- is determined by how easily it is for me to be offended. And so if I have a shallow level of gratitude, then I'm going to have a, uh, an easier pathway to offense. And so how can I deepen, how can I excavate within me to be able to discover uh, what gratitude really is? And so we're going to talk about the science. We're going to talk um, about effective practices, and we're going to really be able to break this down to a deeper way. I like to use the word excavation because there's depth within all of us It just takes a little more thought and a little more proactivity to be able to excavate within us um, to discover, well, how how can I live from a place of gratitude? So here we go. We're going to talk about the science of gratitude. Did anybody do well in science growing up? Because I didn't. You did, Heather? Heather? Okay. Um, Does anybody enjoy, like, psychology and understanding the mind? Yeah, yeah. I've... I found so much that stepping into being a pastor, um, you know, there's a passage in, in Romans, Romans 12, 2, that says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And of course, that, that very much science backs that up um, because if we, can, if we can actively choose a different perspective, if we can actively choose joy, if we can actively choose gratitude, that the science actually proves that it rewires um, our, uh, our neurology um, to, a, to a deep degree. So um, several different articles that I read, um, a couple from the uh, Department of Psychology, uh, one from the Department of Medicine, Department of Psychiat- uh, Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences out of the U.S. Uh, University of California. I, I, I did a lot of research um, because I'm very fascinated by this. So if there's some words... Um, I'm not going to use like the bigger words because I'm, I'm not, I'm not, my vocabulary is not super extensive. So I try to, I was trying to piece some of these things together. Um, but as stated earlier, gratitude is my choice. And since it is my choice, it starts with me being conscious and how I am living with gratitude. So there are six proven benefits um, of gratitude. It reduces stress. It improves sleep quality. It improves heart health. It enhances relationships, it reduces loneliness, and it increases happiness. So our psychological, our brains, very much affect the physiological, our bodies, and we're going to talk about that today. So there are two different uh, circuitries. Um, There is the pro-social circuitry and the defensive circuitry. So look at your neighbor and say pro-social. Look at your other your other neighbor that you didn't choose the first time, aka not your favorite neighbor, and say defensive circuitry. So, so this, this pro-social circuitry, um, this is the circuitry in our minds in, in the, the prefrontal cortex, which is like right behind our skull right here, right behind our forehead. Um, and this, this part of our brain gives context and meaning to our experiences and situations that we have. And so there's the pro-social circuitry. Now what that does, ultimately those are the, those are the collective uh, neurons that are, that are firing and activating whenever we're drawing close to something. 
So drawing close to a relationship, drawing close to your favorite restaurant. It's the, the don't, don't get hung up on the social part. It doesn't just speak to interpersonal relationships, although that does play a large role. But these pro-social neurons, they're really, they're really firing whenever we're drawing close to something. Do you have a favorite restaurant that you enjoy going to? What is it, what is it about, what's, what, what's your favorite restaurant? Gringos. Gringos? Anybody else favorite restaurant, Gringos? Yes, yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so why is Gringos your favorite restaurant? The green sauce, green sauce. There's, there's, a, there's a, a draw to the green sauce. Not only just it, it does it taste good, but also it leaves you feeling just full. Not full necessarily in your stomach, but just full emotionally and satisfied. I love it. Okay, another favorite restaurant. Who, who's, remind me of your name? Courtney. Courtney. All right, Courtney, what's your favorite restaurant? Where, where are you new from? No, where, where is that? North Texas. North Texas. North Texas. Okay. Very. <laughs> on the border. On the border. Okay. Boucher's. Okay. Where is that? Has anybody been to Boucher's? Anybody? You been to Boucher's? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a place? Why? Why do you love? Why do you love Boucher's? Yeah, yeah. Crawfish boils was something I had never even heard of um, until I, yeah, exactly, until I started dating Zoe and I, I got to experience a crawfish boil and I left changed. I, le I left a new man. I left a new man. So these pro-social, uh, the pro-social circuitry in our brains, which filter down all the way to our bodies, um, they are activated whenever we are drawing close to something. Whenever there is, there is closeness, not just in physical proximity, but really kind of that emotional closeness that, that it leaves us feeling and thinking differently whenever we're drawing close to something. So the, the defensive behavior is the exact opposite. It really stems from this place of fear. Um, actually, it kind of equates to a uh, freezing. Have you ever stepped out in the cold and you've been freezing for a considerable amount of time? The, it fires all of these defensive behaviors or this defensive uh, circuitry, which then kind of like help your body resist um, the, the freezing uh, feeling because no one likes to freeze. That's why we all live in Texas. But, of course, there was a freeze last year, if you guys experienced that. I did not experience that, but I heard it was really, really bad. Um, so the... It, so the, the defensive behaviors, they're kind of the fight or flight. It's kind of like this. It will do anything um, to keep our bodies and our minds safe um, from the, 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 the destruction that's happening or fear. We, of course, have fear of the unknown. We have fear of what's uncertain. We have fear of the future. And this fear really much kind of like um, it keeps us safe. It keeps us safe. So the pro-social are the things that are drawing us close the defensive are the things that are trying to keep us safe. Um, but gratitude, if you think of a seesaw, gratitude is kind of this hinge where the more I am living and practicing gratitude, the more that my defensive behaviors, my defensive circuitry starts to shift towards pro-social and drawing close to things. And so... It's really interesting where this is, this is a study that was done 
that, that people were all listening to the same story. These people uh, were all over the country. There were different parts. And, and they're all listening to a story of, of someone who was on the receiving side of gratitude. And, and it feels good to receive gratitude from someone or something, does it not? It feels good whenever someone says, hey, I'm really grateful for you because blank. It feels, it feels good. So there was a study that was uh, these people, these individuals, different parts of the country, um, they all were listening to the same story and their minds were being studied, their brains were being studied. And it showed that, that as these people were listening to a story of someone receiving an immense amount of gratitude, um, that their brains were firing on all these pro-social, uh, these pro-social circuitry. And so as they were listening to this story, all of their brains started to activate uh, the same as they were listening to the story. Once again, they weren't in the same room. Um, they weren't in the same place, but they were listening to the same story of someone on the receiving side of gratitude and what that felt like and what that meant to them. And I thought that was really interesting because it, it goes to show that whenever we are on the receiving side of gratitude and whenever there is story involved, that it fires the circuitry in our mind in ways that, that just, just saying a simple thank you doesn't. So we're going to get into kind of effective practices here in a second because I always thought that, well, if I, just, if I just wake up in the morning and if I just write down, man, I'm really grateful for my wife today. If I just write down, man, I'm grateful for my son today. But if I don't resonate with a story attached to it, that it actually doesn't fire the circuits in my mind the same way that it does if there is story attached. Now, of course, do you love movies? Does anybody love watching a good movie or maybe going to the movie theater? You can, you can raise your hand if you do. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy, uh, thoroughly enjoy movies. Um, I, I don't watch, uh, we don't watch a lot of them, but whenever we do, like, I want to, I want to be there. I want to sit, I want to invest, I want to understand, I want to unpack. And, and different movies leave you feeling different ways. And, and that's because whenever there is, whenever there's story involved as human beings, we resonate with story. Uh, we, there's, there's, if, if, if someone tells you to do something rather than actually walking you through a story of what, what could happen or what needs to be done, what are you, what are you going to resonate with versus you saying, Hey, go do this rather than saying, Hey, actually, if you do this, this could be possible. Here's a story of someone on the receiving side of these actions that I'm asking you to do. We're, we're going to resonate whenever there's more of a complete story involved, we're gonna have a deeper level of buy-in and ownership whenever we know that we're a part of a bigger story. Here at High Point Insurance, you all are a part of a bigger story contributing to helping people, and, and you're doing that day in and day out. You're part of a big story. High Point Church, we're a part of a big story that there's constantly people coming in and, and understanding who Jesus is in a greater way, and there's, and there's story involved. And so we all want to be a part of a bigger story. But we understand that if, I don't, if I'm not reliving and retelling stories, that I may be missing out on, on actually living one myself. So let's talk. Um, well, I want, to, I want to bring up a quote really quickly. Um, so this is Sigmund Freud. He was a, a psychologist. Um, incredible, incredible mind. 
And he wrote, he said, our possibilities of happiness are already restricted by our constitution. So that isn't just our, uh, our you know, constitution of America. Um, that's very much kind of our, our mental and physical constitution. Um, it says, unhappiness is much less difficult to experience. We are threatened with suffering from three directions, from our own body, which is doomed to decay and dissolution, and which cannot even do without pain and anxiety as warning signals, from the external world, which may rage against us with overwhelming and merciless forces of destruction, and finally, from our relations to other men and women. The suffering which comes from the la this last source is perhaps more painful to us than any other. So he is saying that as human beings, our brains are prone to these kind of defensive circuits. Once again, we don't wake up just feeling grateful. We probably wake up thinking, oh my gosh, I've got this to do today. I have this, uh, I have to get the kids to school. I've got to figure out, well, how am I gonna pick them up? Cause I don't get off till here. And I mean, we, we, we're constantly thinking of all of the things to protect ourselves, thinking of the things to figure it out, thinking of the things that are really draining and exhausting more than we're thinking of actually, well, well, what is it that I get to do today versus have to do today? I think that's two different perspectives. That's two different mentalities. What do I have to do today versus what do I get to do today? And so um, it's, he's saying that these defensive strategies are positioned to keep us safe. Therefore, they drive our behavior. So we talked about the medial prefrontal cortex and how it is the front part of the brain and it sets context to everything that we experience and gives meaning to those experiences. There was a study done where, um, has anybody ever done a cold bath? Like ice cold, ice cold, no, no. Did you choose that? Did you choose to do an ice cold bath or were you pushed into it? <laughs> you chose? Yeah, yeah, but, but a cold bath is ridiculously uncomfortable. Like there is nothing, there's nothing just you get into it and you're like, ah, I love it. <laughs> Sipping on Marg, you know, just in a cold bath. You don't do that. Like why, why did you say that you, you chose to do the cold bath? I have pins and screws in both knees. Okay. Perks initially, but once you get out, it yeah. some of the information. So you chose discomfort. And because you chose discomfort, there was a different result versus if someone were to push you into a cold bath without you understanding. You wouldn't have gratitude for that. You wouldn't have gratitude for that. So, it's, so I know one of your core values is pursue discomfort, right? So, so there's something different that happens in our circuitry, in our minds. Whenever we are choosing something that's uncomfortable, that positive results can come from that. Versus if uncomfortable things just happen to us and you just get pushed into a cold bath or you just get pushed into a scenario that maybe you weren't planning for or you just get pushed into something that you are not actively choosing, that there's, that there's something different, that there's a different response that happens versus if you pursue discomfort, if you pursue the, the cold bath, you get great results rather than if the cold bath is chosen for you, you get different results. And so they were showing that, that how your, our, our prefrontal cortex, how it sets context and meaning, if you are regularly choosing things and choosing gratitude or choosing the uncomfortable, that there is a positive response uh, from those things versus if you are forced into something that's uncomfortable without actually choosing it. 
So let's talk about effective practices, how to practice gratitude consistently and effectively. So um, ineffective practices, the Thanksgiving dinner model, going around the table and just saying, what are you thankful for, is an ineffective practice. Let me just, let me just, let me just say that, all right? It's ineffective because it maybe happens, what, once a year, Hezekiah? Unless I'm, I'm, I'm sure probably your family gets together every single night and is just like, we're grateful for this, grateful for this. We call each other. We call, <laughs> <you> call each other. <laughs> um, but it says that studies point to, uh, to reciting things that I'm grateful for does not actually shift the neural circuitry in our minds. If I just, if I just say regularly, man, I'm so grateful, so grateful for uh, the weather outside. I'm so grateful for this humidity. <laughs> so grateful for it. I've never lived in this, this heavy, oppressive state of humidity that we live in right now. I've never, I've never experienced it. This is my first summer here in Houston. Um, so pray for a brother. Um, but even right now, I'm, like, I just wake up and I'm sweating like all the time. I'm just prone to sweat. And so really excited about it. But, but I don't, I don't like, I, I can't just like say, man, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the humidity. I love it. I love it. I'm just so, I'm just so grateful for my coffee. I love it. I love it. I am grateful for it. But I'm just so grateful. Like the, whenever I start reciting things, studies show that it actually doesn't change my mind about how I actually feel about it. So I can recite something, but if my body, if my mind really knows that I'm lying about it, then it doesn't shift anything. And I found that I've lied to myself so often in hopes that I would start to believe the very lie that I'm telling myself. But, it, but our, brains, our brains aren't wired like that. I can't say something and really believe the opposite and, and really and feel it and internalize it and understand it in order for it to change actually how I think and see the thing that I'm doing. Our brains just simply are not wired like that. So, so just reciting something isn't an actual effective practice. Um, but there is a saying that it's better to give than to receive. Has anybody heard this? Has anybody not heard this? It's better to give than to receive. Well, I want to actually challenge that thought um, because I believe that if I've never fully understood what it's like to receive, then I will never know how to give. I can't give someone something that I haven't first given myself or understood myself. It's, you know, foundational level of empathy. It's, it's in order to really like not just put yourself in somebody else's shoes, but in order to really understand and feel what someone else is going through, then, then I, I first maybe need to experience and understand kind of what it's like in, in their place. Of course, um, for, for some of us, maybe we've lost loved ones or maybe we've lost family members or maybe we've um, experienced difficulty and hardship, maybe loss of a job and maybe one of your friends is going through a really difficult time right now, or maybe one of your families is going through a really difficult time right now, and, and, and the level that you're able to empathize and understand from a place of actually understanding because you've walked through something very similar. Well, I believe that I can't actually give something if I haven't been on the receiving end of something as well. So um, how I give, uh, too far, how I give gratitude always starts with how I am able to receive gratitude. And so, if you are someone um, that is prone to write a letter of gratitude 
uh, with, with incredible authenticity and, and care, and you're like, man, I want to I write this letter, um, you have a very potent form of shifting someone else's neurology. So that's why I say it's better, like, in order for me to really understand and be on the receiving end, then I know how to give. Because studies show that actually, if I can, if I can extend and give gratitude to someone, that it will shift their circuitry more than it will shift our circuitry. And so it's kind of do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. It's that thought where actually, if I'm living from a place where I am extending and expressing authentic, genuine gratefulness for someone, then, then that will shift their circuitry if we are on the receiving end versus on the giving end. So whenever we're talking about effective practices, we can't just always wait and sit and be like, I hope someone uh, tells me that they're grateful for me today. <laughs> I, I'm just going to sit here in my office and, uh, and really and just hope. I'm just, and as someone walks by, it's like, oh. okay, not them. So, so that's not effective, of course. That's not, that's not uh, practical for us to just always be sitting there and always be thinking, okay, like I'm just, I'm going to, or the manipulation of, well, I'm going to extend Andrew. I'm going to say, man, Andrew, I'm so grateful for you. The way that you, the way that you led that meeting yesterday, you spoke with clarity. You spoke with uh, uh, authority, but you also set clear direction. So we knew where to go. Like, I'm really, really grateful for how you stewarded that meeting yesterday. But if I tell him that, and then I'm like. You did a good job too. Like that's the motivation, the motivation for expressing and giving gratitude never can't come from a place of where like, I just hope that I get something back. But knowing that, man, if I'm, if I'm authentic in saying like, hey, I'm really grateful for how you led yesterday. Um, it, it resonated with me. Like I feel like I have clear actionable goals to be able to go and do my job even more effectively. And I feel like you believe in me to go do that. Then that shifts that shifts the circuitry of the person on the receiving end that fires and activates those pro-social behaviors that we were talking about earlier in new ways that then there leaves, leaves him feeling grateful, leaves him like, wow, like, thank you. That, that, means, that means a lot. Um, but also then how can we, rather than waiting for people to just come up to me and just say, hey, Parker, I'm so grateful for you. You were awesome. And I'm like, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Instead of us leaving and waiting for someone to express gratitude, we can, of course, extend it. But also getting into some of these different effective ways to do it is each day, write down a simple yet personal story of when someone was grateful for you. So how often have you sat because I'm, I'm, I'm teaching myself here. I'm not an expert by any means. I'm in process. I'm learning. I'm in my own journey myself. Is could I sit down and could I simply write down or think about on my drive to work, could I think about how I felt in reliving that moment, remembering that moment, whenever someone expressed and showed gratitude to me? Even a couple days ago, my wife, I love, we love our son so much. Um, mornings are always uh, father-son time. I love the mornings so much. 
Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an early guy myself and my son, he normally wakes up about 6 a.m. too. So we always just hang out. We hang out every single morning. We let Zoe sleep for just a little bit longer. She's more of a night person. I'm more of a morning person. So that's how we kind of share and carry the weight. But I like, I love mornings with him, but she, she came up to me and she said, Parker, I'm so grateful that, that you like, that you love that time with our son. Like it means so much. It means so much to me because I'm able to, to, cause normally I've been up a little bit later with him. So I'm able to get just another hour or so of sleep. It means so much to me. Thank you for, for taking great care of our son. And that made me feel, I was like, okay, like I feel seen that felt good. But also if I, if I simply dismiss that, if I don't really kind of sit and like really analyze, man, like that it really made me feel good whenever my wife saw, saw my actions and saw what I do love to do. But once again, am I treating it as normal? Am I, am I reliving that moment regularly? Am I sitting and writing down? Well, this is, this is how it made me feel. And this is how, this is how it really resonated with me. And so if I'm, if I'm regularly living in that space of remembering whenever somebody showed me and displayed and, and sent me something that they were grateful for, if I'm regularly living in that place, then it's much harder for me to go to the opposite side of being offended, of being entitled or treating something complacently, complaining about something or, being, or treating it as normal. And so that's why I wrote on the first one, each day or every other day, write down a simple yet personal story of when someone was grateful for you. And it shouldn't take very long because, because first off, it should cause us to kind of excavate, well, when was there a story attached to someone expressing their gratitude for me? And if, if I maybe haven't seen that, well, how could I give the very thing that I want to get? How could I give the very thing that I want to get? Am I expressing and showing gratitude for my spouse, for my kids, for my friends, for my coworker, for my boss, for my mom, for my dad? Am I, am I, am I regularly expressing gratitude? Not for the hopes that I get something back, but simply for the hopes that I get to help shift their, their minds and how they feel as well. So the second one, write down a moment when you showed someone else your gratitude for them. So you could relive that very, that very moment of whenever, okay, so using Andrew as an example, if I just said, we left this meeting and I just said the very things that I said to him earlier, I'm thankful for your leadership. I'm thankful for how you stewarded that experience. I'm thankful for, for how, you, how you spoke into my life. I'm thankful for um, your investment. I'm thankful for the direction, the clarity in which you gave. Like if I start, if I start from that place, I could write down a moment. I could write down that moment when I showed Andrew my gratitude for him and, and it would make me relive that moment, therefore knowing that I had an opportunity to help him experience gratefulness. And so that also helps change our narrative as well. It helps change our mind as well whenever we write down experiences that we extend and give to others. And then the third is actively look for one opportunity each week or every day, or every hour, Nikki, to show gratitude to those around you. And, and I believe that, that, once again, this is not just a passive, um, thank you. 
This is a, hey, thank you for this because blank. This is, this is a specific piece. This is an intentional piece. It causes us to think in a deeper way about the experiences and about the people that were around versus just treating um, the experiences and the people passively and flippantly. This causes a different level of intentionality for all of us to do. So these are three effective practices of gratitude. And, and I really hope, and my goal, of course, was, was really to be able to see that story. Story resonates with us differently. If we can live and relive stories that we experience, then it will truly change how we think and how we see and how we, and how we respond to the circumstances and situations that we all have. Um, because don't be like me, where the thing you once was grateful for then becomes normal and then becomes, becomes complacent and then that complacency turns into complaining and then you become entitled and then you can quickly and easily become offended. We don't wanna live here. We wanna live in the space where, where we are displaying and practicing and living with gratitude that actually I believe is the foundation for all good things in our life. Gratitude is the foundation for all good things in our life uh, rather than understanding that, that, that it can be easily, easily go to the other side. So um, the last thought, gratitude is a weapon and a resource we all have to wield consistently. Um, I, do, I truly believe that it's, that is, is one of the most underutilized uh, and, and undervalued resources that we all have that we can actively live out every single day. So thank you so much. Uh, really honored.